Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study together, uh, to listen to your word with such a wonderful blessing that your word can bring uh, to the life of a man. We pray, Lord, that you open our eyes, open our understanding so that we hear and understand what we are speaking of out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, today we continue to talk about growing up spiritually. This is part two of that because we know that it's very important for a Christian to grow. Just like it's important for babies to grow into maturity, that's what every parent is looking forward to, that their children grow. And so the same way, God our Father is also uh, looking to see that his own children grow out of babyhood into maturity. So we are looking at uh, how we should be able to grow uh, in the kingdom of God, to grow in Christ. Because if you don't grow, you will lose spiritual battles. You can check out of this world earlier than you should. You can be deceived very easily. And a lot of people are being deceived in these days and times because they follow all manner of stuff because they don't know, they're not matured enough to know their right from their left. The Bible says when we grow mature, we become stable, no more tossed to and fro. There are people who respond emotionally to God. And for all the effort they put and draw around all over the place, after a long time they realize they've been wasting their time. Because if it's not the truth, it's not the truth. If it's not the truth, it's not the truth, and you can't benefit from it, period. No matter how you turn it, twist it, if it's not the truth, it's not the truth. There's nothing you can do about it. Reality does not respect your feelings. Reality is reality. So we need to grow, especially in these last days, that the demons are spewing out all manner of deceit. And the Bible says even the elect can be deceived. So that's why we are emphasizing they need to grow. Now today we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in helping a Christian to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Matthew 16, 15. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So we can quickly see the role of the Holy Spirit right here. And then we're going to expand it and study it and look further so that we can really begin to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the ways you have to mature is to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit, how to cooperate with him. So first of all, we need to understand that the things of God are not carnal. God is a spirit. The kingdom of God is a spirit kingdom. It's not a natural carnal physical kingdom. And so the, 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 the knowledge of Christ is not really anything that is of this world. The things that God does does not come from human thinking. It's not of this world. It is of the kingdom of God. And so <clears throat> when people try to figure out the things of God with their kind of mind, they usually fail. And unfortunately, many Christians have not made that distinction. Don't even remember that we're talking about a spiritual world that you can't see, and which is more real than the physical world that you see. And so because we forget that, we operate, we want to operate the kingdom of God from the natural viewpoint, perspective. And we fail, get frustrated, and many things are not working because it doesn't work that way. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.30. And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom. That's what Jesus told Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal did not reveal this to you. It's my father. So, like this Bible studies tonight, you're not going to hear it with your human ears and human understanding. That's why Jesus said, those who have ears to hear. So he's saying, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. Combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language. 
to those who possess the Holy Spirit. In verse 40, but the natural, the unspiritual man can be a Christian too, who lives like that. Does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Holy Spirit, for they are foolish, meaningless, nonsense to him. Why? He can't see it. He's trying to see it. Again, let me say it's unfortunate to be regretted that so many Christians live this way. So many. Very unfortunate. And when they fell, they, they start junketing all over the place. And they will still fail. That's the point. Because if it's not the truth, it's not the truth. Only the truth will set you free. When they start rationalizing it, looking for who to blame, So what we're talking about is purely spiritual knowledge. Things about Christ, things about the kingdom, are spiritual from the spirit of God, from the kingdom of God, which is spirit kingdom. So who is the Holy Spirit? This is a background so we can understand, so we can begin to really readjust our, our perceptions. So we can get, we can understand more when we hear Bible stories or when you read your Bible, so you can understand more the perspective you need to apply to these things. So it works for you because it works all the time. But it's not working for so many. Who is the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 2.11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. So you begin to take note now. We have the spirit of a man. That's one spirit. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. We have another spirit, the spirit of God. The spirit of a man, the spirit of God. Let's find another one here. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. And when the unclean spirit, so we have a third, a third spirit now. The unclean spirit. So you want to say, what is the unclean spirit? Let's read it now. He's gone out of a man. He walked through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. He said, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, take it to him, seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So we're talking about demonic spirits here. So we have the spirit of that is in a man, the spirit of man, man, the spirit of God, and the spirit of demons. Unclean spirit is obviously demonic spirit. So we have clean spirits, we have unclean spirits. So we have the spirit of God, we have the spirit of, of man, we have the demonic spirit. And again, but angels are also spirits. Angels are spirits too, because they're now human, but they are the clean spirits. Demons are the unclean spirit. So you can, in a broader perspective, say, okay, there are the spirit of man, there are the spirit of God, there are angels, then there are the demonic spirits. So in, in, in three broad, I mean, in, in broad, broad categories, you can have four, spirit of man, spirit of God, demonic spirit, angels. Angels are the clean spirit, demonic spirits are the unclean spirits. So have all these spirits that the Bible reveals to, to us is there is no other spirit anywhere. There's not. There's no animal spirit. Forget it. There is no animal spirit. So if you're an animal lover, sorry, you won't see your animal in heaven. It's not following you to heaven. If all the animal food you can buy, buy it here. Animals cannot be born again. No, sir. So there's only one Holy Spirit now three, from what we've read here now, say that by the Spirit of God. So we call it, there's only one Holy Spirit. Even though when you read Revelations, I want to clear this because this, some people get confused when they read this book of Revelations, Revelation 4, 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering trains and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So some people read it and they go around preaching what is not really true. Now, when you see these seven spirits of God, it's a revelation given to John, and you might as well at best just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. But some verses in the, in the book of Revelation describe the church as seven 
lamps. Seven lamps. It talks about the, the pastors of those churches as, as uh, seven, uh, I think seven candles they had, Jesus had in hand, and the seven lamps he has, these are the church, the pastor, the angel of the church. And so when he talk of seven spirits, it's talking about, the way I look at it, it's talking about the Holy Spirit that works in those churches. Because the Holy Spirit can be in seven churches, can be it's in you, it's in me, it's in, it can be in so, so many places, but it's one spirit. The Bible says it is one spirit, it is one manifestation. So it could be talking about those seven churches that the, the book of Revelation started to talk about. It called them seven lamps, seven, seven candlesticks, you know, that Jesus had in his hand. So this could be now the spirit of God that is manifesting in those seven churches. But then we cannot really begin to carry it out and be talk, teaching it as a, as a doctrine. So the best thing to do is to leave it alone. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Say, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of this law. So there are secret things God is not telling you and me. That's why the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, now our knowledge is partial and then complete. You must acknowledge that. It's partial and then complete. And even the gifts of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 9, verse 12. It says, now we see things imperfectly. As in a cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity when we get to heaven. All that I know now is partial and then complete this process. But when I, when I, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. So we're operating in a limited revelation. That's why the, the, the Deuteronomy says that there are secret things that belong to God and the things that belong to you, you know. Now, let me help some of us who are poking news in people's affairs. Why did this happen to this world? It's not your business. If you don't have, don't, don't go picking into people's lives. Why did they die? Why did, it's not your business. It's not your business. There are things God will not tell you. He won't tell anybody. And you know, this is how wrong doctrines come. When people go outside the Bible trying to teach what God didn't tell them, what God didn't show them, explain to them, they don't have scriptures to back it up. That's how wrong doctrine starts. They can take one verse, say, see, God has seven spirits. And they teach people error. So what is revealed to us about the Spirit of God is what we should teach as doctrine. Because the Word of God is given to us for doctrine. Again, dream was not given to you as doctrine. Don't you ever use your dream as basis for teaching anything. Thank God for your dream, but keep it to yourself. Nobody wants to know about it. The word God gave us to use as doctrine is the Bible. It's the word of God written the Bible. Your dream can confirm the Bible, but your dream is not given for doctrine. The gift of the Spirit is not given for doctrine. It's the Bible. That's the only thing given. The Holy Spirit said the Bible, the Scriptures is given to you for instruction and doctrine. So the only thing you can teach in the church of Jesus is what the Bible endorses, what the Bible underlines, whether you have dream or not. If, if the Bible says it, that's what you should teach. And you should have two or three witnesses, not taking one verse and running with it. No, no, no. You should get a context where you have two or three, uh, two or three witnesses of Scripture confirming the context in which God is teaching this thing. Now, in context of the Holy Spirit, well, let's see what the Spirit of what the Holy Spirit, what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us about the Trinity, and we sing it. Now we sing it all the time. We say, you know, God in three places, blessed Trinity. So the, the, the Scripture teaches us that God is three, the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So it is a God the Holy Spirits. So it's one. It didn't say Holy Spirits. It's one. And so they have 
from the scripture, it's there is one God existing in three co-equal persons. Because we say God in three persons as we sing it, you know, all the time. Co-equal with God. It's a mystery. Don't even go there. Leave it alone. This part of the things you leave the Trinity alone. You, we know in part. How can you know the mysteries of God? Giving yourself headache. The revelation that God gave us is the Bible. Just take it like that. That's true. When we go to heaven, we'll understand better. But right now, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not spirits, not multiple, one. Ephesians 4.4. 4. There is one body, one spirit. That's why the church should teach. One spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. 1 Corinthians 12.13. For by one spirit, you see, you have, you have witnesses of scripture confirming the context. One spirit, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into the one body, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. One spirit. So you see scriptures confirming that the Holy Spirit is one. One spirit. He's called the spirit of Christ. You say, why? Because Christ is God. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, she called it the spirit of God. Now look at the next one. That if any man have not the spirit of Christ, so it's called that spirit that dwells in you, the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. You say, why? Look at 2 Peter 1.1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith as we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. The Spirit of God called him, our, he's our Savior, he's our God. So it's wrong right. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God the Father is the Spirit of God the Son. Because God the Son, God the Father, one. He said, I came out of my Father, I go back to my Father, mystery. Mystery. That's why Jesus said nobody knows the Son except him, the Father, to choose him. He said nobody knows the Son. And nobody knows the Father except him, the Holy Spirit, the Son, reviews to Again, like I'm saying, this is not carnal knowledge, <laughs> spiritual knowledge. So it may not make sense to people, but it makes sense to some people. Now, as God was comparing the angels with Christ, so teaching the world that Jesus is not an angel. Because there are people who say Jesus is an angel. The Holy Spirit has gone ahead to say, no, 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 he's not an angel. So you understand that Jesus is not an angel. He called him God. So let's look at second, um, Hebrew 1, 7. And of the angels, he said, who makes his angels spirits? And his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, You are thrown, O God. So he calls him God. So he's trying to let us understand that Jesus is not an angel. Again, there are people who teach that, and it's wrong. He says, That throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. He called Jesus. He said to the Son, He says, God says, Your throne, Oh God. So he said, angels are spirits, ministering spirits. You know, he said, angels, he makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You see why the revelation said, called the angels of the church, the, 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 the lamps, the, 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 the flames that Jesus has in sand. Okay. So Jesus is God. He's not an angel. So he is called the spirit of truth. But the reason I was saying that is because you should know that the spirit of God is the spirit of God and Jesus, God says, God, you are God. And he said, let all the angels of God worship him. And Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only. So when God says worship him, it means he's God. It means he's God. Now, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. John 14, 16, 
and I will pray the Father, and he, will, he, he shall give you another comforter, that he may be, abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you now. So, so those of the Christians who believe that anybody can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, here it is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is only for Christians. The world cannot receive him. So you can't bring somebody who doesn't have Jesus and say, come and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, sir. It's exclusively for Christians who have Jesus in them. You can't have access to the Spirit of God when you don't have Christ in you. So it's the spirit of truth. He, he manifests as a personality. Again, God in three persons, which means the Holy Spirit has a personality because he can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by, by the way you live. Remember he, call him he, then call him it, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So we belong to God. He says, you are my own. It means it's God. And we say we belong to Jesus. I am, I am glad I belong to Jesus. So you belong to the Holy Spirit too. Because that's the spirit of Christ. When you say I belong to Jesus, here the scripture is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, you belong to me. Because I'm the spirit of Christ. Belong to me. Identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He is on earth today and in this dispensation, in this church age, the Holy Spirit, this is his time and ministry. Jesus finished and left. He took over from Jesus. God the Father started creation. God the Son came and redeemed mankind. The Holy Spirit came to reveal the redemption and all the things Jesus did to mankind. God the Father, when he was doing, when God the Father, he was doing miracles to show he's the almighty God. You know, he, if you read the Old Testament, you find more of miracles in the Old Testament, incredible miracles. That God will stop the sun and he doesn't do these days. Stop the sun, divide seas, he did incredible miracles trying to show that he is God Almighty. God Almighty. But in the dispensation of Jesus, when he came to redeem, you find what is happening is miracle of mercy. Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. Healing. Miracles of mercy. Redemption. Salvation, delivering mankind, because that's the greater miracle than dividing the race. The greatest miracle is Jesus rose from the dead. All the kingdom of the devil ganged up to stop him. They couldn't. He defeated them mercilessly. God showed his power there. Now, in this dispensation, the Holy Spirit is revealing the Son to the world and to the church. So you can understand that this is a dispensation act. So in this last dispensation, before Jesus comes, is the time of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's why we're teaching it, so that you know his role in helping you as a Christian to know Christ, to grow, to mature, and even in your daily life. We're going to go into all these things as the Spirit of God leads us and shows us mercy. So it's on earth today, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. See, say my ministry is come to an end. I should go. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. For God is a God of order. Say we should do all things in order. All things in order. But if I depart, I will send them unto you. Now Acts 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So he came when the day of Pentecost and the plan of God had come. 
He came. Jesus came in the manger. The Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. And then we saw now that even though it has a ministry to the world and a ministry to the church, we can see that only believers can receive him. Can receive him. The world cannot receive him. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a ministry to them. But they can't receive him until they receive Christ that is pointing them to. Because that's the spirit of Christ. So, John 14, 17 says, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because they see him not, neither know him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be with you. So he's with the church. He dwells with the Christian. He dwells in us. If you have not the spirit of God, you are none of his. He dwells with us. He dwells among us. So he dwells among us. The Bible says we are built up as a dwelling place for him. So he dwells in you. dwells among us. John 14, or oh, 16. Let's read verse 16 first. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So he came to abide with us forever. Now, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? What is his role in your life as a Christian, and in my life as a Christian? Now, first of all, to the world, because he has a ministry to the world. John 16, 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. We read it, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Eight, and when he comes, when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that they refuse to believe in me. So you see what his ministry to the world is to convict them of their need for Christ so they can believe in him. Now, of righteousness, why? Because righteousness is available because I go to my father. And you see me no more. Eleven, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Now, let's take scriptures and understand these uh, references very well. Now, Paul made a very important statement that only the Holy Spirit can convict people of their need of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can bring conviction to people. You can't bring it. So when you are preaching to people, there's no need killing yourself and sweating them. You can't bring conviction. When you are preaching the gospel, or when you are preaching like here, there's no point killing yourself. Just do what you are sent to do. Preach. Sit down. Only the Holy Spirit can bring conviction. We must know this. But sometimes we think we were the ones to bring. We even enter into argument trying to, and then sometimes quarrel. Quarrel. We were sent to just preach. Say it. Go away. Now let's listen to Paul. First Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I come to you, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He says it's not necessary coming with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I want to bring to show you people. Then verse 3. And I was with you in meekness and in fear and in much trembling, not because of them, but Paul said, I'm in, I, I don't want to corrupt this message. I don't want to poison it by trying to help it. He says, because I can make the world the cross of no effect if I do that. Because this world was given to me by God and it is enough. So sometimes we want to blemish the world and make it acceptable to people. It's you, that's when you finish. This thing is not working. Because at the end of the day, you can get people emotionally riled up. But the Holy Spirit is watching you. Because what he gave you, you've gone beyond it and added your own. We should know this. Don't try to impress you. Don't try to stop all of that. Paul said, hey, I'm declaring unto you the testimony of God, that's all. 
not with excellency of speech, not the way I have to coin it in a way to, to, to reach you. It's not necessary. Only the Holy Spirit who gave that message can convict you, period. Sometimes you see people who you preach to and they are very excited and they, you don't see them again. There are people you see, you talk to, you think they didn't hear anything. Next Sunday, you see them sitting there. They, you, you see them, they turn out to be real spiritual stalwart and they haven't shown you any emotions yet. May God deliver us from carnality, all this walking by sight, trying to evaluate things by sight and feeling. <laughs> when we pray, noise, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say, did you see the move of God? <laughs> move of God. Hannah prayed, no, no yelling, nothing. And Samuel was born. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. And my speech... And my teaching was not with enticing words of human wisdom. I'm not yet to entice you to believe it. That's why in this church, if you don't, if, if you don't agree with what you are doing, have many doors, you can go. If you see me, brother, you know that something is wrong with me. You can go. Anywhere you think it works for you, please, go. I'll give you taxi if I help you. I can't convict you. Not necessary. That's what he's done. Because those, Jesus said, hey, nobody can come to me except my father draws him. So I'm not going to campaign for you to come. No. My father has to draw you. He said to the disciples, do you want to leave? You can leave if you want to. You can go. Because you can't come except my father does it. Except the spirit brings you. And some people, they don't even know that it's God that is helping them live. Because they are troublemakers. Um, verse 4, and my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. What the Holy Spirit does, the one that convicts you, brings you understanding of this thing. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princesses of this world that come to naught. And this is why prayer for all men and for the saints is very important. When the Holy Spirit tells us to pray these prayers, he knows what he's talking about. Because you want, you want the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to, to do something. You pray. God says you don't have because you don't ask. Look at it again, 1 Timothy 2, 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, which is for saints, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Why? For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Before you complain that, price of fuel is going up, you need to ask yourself, how many have you ever prayed for this government? If you haven't prayed, can you just keep quiet? Because you're part of the problem. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God our Savior. Christ our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved? You want to engage in evangelism, you got to pray before you go. You got to pray every day about what the Spirit of God says. I put you out watchman. Pray. Pray. For the saints. For all, all, all men. So that they'll be saved. If you don't, who will? Oh, the devil will deceive you and focus you on your life and your pro Look, when the devil succeeds in focusing you on your life, problems never cease. Because it causes this trouble. You are praying and that's all you are talking about. Before Another one will come. That's all you are talking about. Another one will come. 
He'll keep you doing all of that like Samson taking out your eyes and you are, you are, you are ruling about just doing something for the Philistines and they are laughing at you. Demons are laughing at you. It's always about you. There must be, you are in need, you are focusing. Trouble never ends. This trouble, before it goes, another one. Because he knows that that's the way he can keep you blinded from praying for all that, the saints, praying for all men because he doesn't want them saved. So he can, as many people as he can knock out of commission, is good for him. And then before he go to the television and give you something to be arguing about and talking about, he'll be laughing at you. Samson without eyes. Question is, if you're not praying, who will? Verse 5, 2 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So you pray that they'll be convicted about it. That God will send laborers. You are in a ministry. Have you ever prayed for that ministry that God will send, Lord, we need laborers. We need laborers in this ministry. Send us laborers. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament. God says, when you, when you are praying all this, you are praying. He says, it doesn't pass here because you have left my house unattended. I think it's Leviticus. You say, you have left my house unattended. You come here and be bringing your own. What of my house? Do you know Jesus did nothing for himself? Nothing. Everything he did was for you and me. Paul said, my life has been poured out as a drink offering. Offering. Gave it offering. Didn't have a wife. No investment. Nothing. But we are studying what the fruit of God used him to do. Up to today. So you convinced the world of sin. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 17, for God sent not his word, son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You see, why is condemned? He has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. That's all. We, we won't preach this. We go and be scrutinizing them. Believe in the name of the begotten Son of God. You are not condemned. That's what the Spirit of God said to pray. That Paul said, I want to bring the testimony of God to you. I don't want to add anything unless I make the message of the cross of Nephi. So he said he, want to, he will convict the world of righteousness because Jesus has provided righteousness. Let's even look at the story of righteousness of man and why God has to provide one. Romans 13, as it is written, there is none righteous. That's the, that's the issue. None righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of their way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Look at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the Lord said, he said to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may become guilty before God. So no mouth can boast before God. God said, you are not righteous. No. Every mouth should be stopped. For all have sinned. Every mouth is stopped. There's no more boasting before God. You can't bring any righteousness. Zero. Forget it. All have sinned. Everyone. All. He said, every mouth is now stopped. Every mouth stopped. You are on my own. Stopped. None is righteous. So God provided his own righteousness. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.30. 
God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. Not in myself, not in yourself. You have no righteousness, forget it. You know, the point is that we, we, a lot of times we think that they were so good. Though. I don't know how we come to that conclusion that we were very good. Because we are not telling ourselves all the truth about us. There are things people don't know, but you know. The lies you tell, <laughs> all those small things you do, and yet you still think you are righteous. Righteous? Filthy rag? First Corinthians 1.30. But of him you are, now this is the same translation King James says, call this that Christ is our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But we know that the scripture says that God made him to be seen. Who knew no sin? So that we shall be made the righteousness of God. Because left on our own, we can't produce righteousness. Forget it. The Bible said it's obvious that by the deeds of the law shall no man, shall no man be accepted by God. Because nobody can produce 100% purity. Besides that, we have all sinned before and all of us have sinned. If you understand that, you will rush and take the righteousness of Christ quickly. Because if you reject it, you go into the condemnation of, of the sinners. This is the righteousness that works for everybody that believes in Christ. Now he confuses the word of judgment. Why? Because the devil has been judged. He's been, Jesus messed him up, defeated him publicly, demonstrated to the whole world, to every spiritual power, that the devil is who he is. He's a liar. He's a fake. He is evil. He he makes you think he's, he's somebody and Jesus came and disarmed him, publicly displayed, displayed him as powerless. And showed him to be the most, very foolish. Because it was divine wisdom to use love to overcome his wickedness. For God so loved the world. So, the, the Spirit of God is to convince the, the world that if you follow this man, see what happened to him, you suffer the same thing. But you need to follow the one who is the king of kings, who is the lord of lords, who is Christ. He defeated this liar, made him a public show. Don't follow him. Unfortunately, even today, a lot of people go to church and talk about Satan. Is there any gospel of Satan? Is Satan the word of God? Colossians 2.13, and you... Being dead in your sins and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had you quickened together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses for them, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, transferring over them in it, trying to show the world that the devil has been messed up. Brethren, he's a liar. He is fearful. He is powerless. If I'm saying this for a benefit, he should hear it. He is a liar. He is he, powerless. He, he's a toothless blue dog. He barks like a lion. He's no lion. He's fake. All he does is lie. He's been disarmed, completely disarmed. Totally disarmed, shamed publicly, brought to zero. So the Holy Spirit will convict you, don't follow him. He's lying to you. Follow the king, follow the victorious king, follow Jesus. Because the world doesn't know, because he's deceiving them, he's the one blinding them. The Spirit of God will show you, no? Christ is the king, he's the winner. So he convinced the world of the utter defeat of Satan by the Lord Jesus Christ. So they would need to follow Christ, give their lives 
to Christ. He also confirms to them that the gospel is true through signs and wonders. You say, why? Why signs and wonders? Because at that point, they don't have the spirit to believe by faith. They can only believe what they see. So they're walking by sight. So he shows them the kingdom of God manifested. He shows it to them. They see this world they are preaching. This is, this is the kingdom of God. But you Christians should walk by faith because you have the spirit to know they don't. So they are still walking by sight and he shows them. This word they are hearing, look at it, it's the kingdom of God. Look at it, look at it. And say, ah. But then, that miracle doesn't give faith. It is the word preached that they believe. They saved. If they believe that a lame man was walked, it won't give them salvation. They have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to get salvation. Hebrew 2, 3. He shall, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Quit at first began to be spoken by the Lord. He said, if, if we neglect what is being preached, we can't escape. And was confirmed unto us by them that had him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Mark 16, 20, and they went forth preaching everywhere, and the Lord walking with them, confirming the word with signs following. So the signs following is to point them to the word. So they have to believe the word. They have to believe. They have to, faith coming by, by hearing the word. They have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have to. You know, it's unfortunate that many Christians talk about miracle, 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 and they don't believe the word. They're just talkers. They don't believe the word. They get this, and they'll tell you how many miracles they have seen. They don't believe the word. They get nothing themselves. They, don't, they won't get faith. Now, his ministry to the believer, that's to you and me. John 15, 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. He would testify about Jesus to the church. He will convict the world about Christ. He will testify and reveal Christ to the church because now they have the spirit in them to be able to know. But a lot of people in the church don't want to know Christ. They are miracle seekers. They are not seeking to know Jesus. Miracle seekers. Anointing seekers. John 16, 13. Habit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth about everything in your life. John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Dwelling with us, lives in us, to testify about Christ and to guide us in all the truth of life. Now, his teaching ministry, the knowledge of Christ that makes you mature, remember I testify about Christ, and brings us to maturity is given only by the Holy Spirit to the individual Christian as we humble ourselves to be taught by men and women God has appointed to serve in that capacity. And pretty soon I will show you that if you, don't, if you are not interested in Bible studies, God will give you revelation. Forget it. It's not coming. John 21.15. I mean, first, first, second Thessalonians 5.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. I want you to research and find how many places the Holy Spirit may reference to what you were taught, what you were taught, as you were taught. Make reference and find out as you were taught and see the benefits of those things if you hold to what you were taught. Just, just search it out for yourself, including living eternal life as you were taught. Now, the Lord is passionate about feeding 
his sheep. So John 21, 15, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. 17, he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest the authors now. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Teach my sheep. Give them my word. Give them the knowledge of me. I am the man. Feed my sheep. And Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 2, 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches, but who is teaching Paul? Paul, but who is teaching? The Holy Spirit teaches, but who is standing there teaching? Paul. So, but we must know how to receive this. When we know that Paul is teaching, but the Holy Spirit is teaching, it's the same thing. With those that God has called and, 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 and given that responsibility to teach you, they are teaching, but the Holy Spirit teaches. Peter said to Ananas and Sapphira, how did the devil deceive you that you don't know that the Holy Spirit is here? You don't know that the, 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 the man is teaching, but the Holy Spirit teaches. That is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, teaches. But many are not interested to hear him. So the word of God is received with meekness, humility. God loves meek spirits. Look at James 1.21. Wherefore lay apart all fitness and perfility of nothingness. Nothingness is mischief, type of mischief, doing mischievousness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You receive it with a meek heart, teachable heart. Paul teaching, the Holy Spirit teaches. When you know who is teaching, you humble yourself. Become meek. Look at Moses, Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. What was the benefit to that? Verse 6 of Numbers 12. And he, and he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. He said, I will reveal myself to him in a vision. See, he's telling us the degrees of revelation we can get about who he is. Depends on us. In a vision. And we speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. God's no respecter of persons. He's not doing this because Moses is special. Because he's meek. Who is faithful in all my house? God said, a faithful man who can find. This man is consistently meek. Who can find? With him will I speak mouth to mouth. I give him deeper revelation of who I am. When apparently, even apparently, not in dark speeches. No, no, no. And the similitude of the Lord shall, be, shall he behold. He said, I show you dreams. But this man... Mouth to mouth, he will, see, he will see my reality. I will reveal myself, not only mouth to mouth, but I will show him my existence. He will see my manifestation and know that I am. What determines it? Meek heart. Meekness. Say, because he's the meekest than all of you. Oh, look, look at Facebook at 3 4 now. 
Read First Peter 3, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God cares less about your, your, your position and title. It's so wonderful to have this thing so. But God is telling us what matters to him. Is the inner spirit that is meek, quiet, that allows God to control him. And we must be faithful to what we have had. First John 2.24. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught, you see, from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. 25. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he has promised us. It's inside the Bible. Keys to the blessing. You must remain faithful to what you have been taught. But were you there to be taught? To start with. From the beginning, if you do, if you do, Christian, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son. God said Moses will see a similitude of God. You will remain in fellowship with, with, with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship now, we will enjoy the eternal life he promised us. We enjoy the blessings of God. First Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, to, to which God has called you, which you have confessed before many witnesses. Luke 18, 18. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand, taken away from them. Now, another dimension of this is he will review, give you revelation directly. Luke 16, 26, and besides this, now, you will see that if you don't listen to these teachings, he won't give you revelation. Luke 16, 26, and besides this, besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which will pass from uh, hence to you, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that could come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he, would, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets there. They have the teachers God sent them. If they are too proud to listen to them, God will give them any revelation. Let them hear them. Thirty, and he said, Nay, my father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, if they see a spirit, they will listen. Say, no, no, it's not like that. He said, if one went from the dead, they will repent. I said unto him, if they hear no Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit will give you revelation. If you are not humble and meek to take the one he's teaching, forget about it. It's not working. All this I had dream. You are not listening to people teaching a hard dream game. Forget about all of this. First Corinthians 2 7. We speak the wisdom of God, with, we read it. We read it, the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard what God had prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit now. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, except the man, spirit that is in man, which is in him, even so. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God will give you revelation. Let me read one more and then we're done. Acts 16, 14. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God. And as she listened to us, she listened. She was attentive. The Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She listened. To what Paul was saying. Paul said, 
he gave us were teaching, but the Holy Spirit is the one. So when she honored the spirit behind this, God opened her eyes. Many people are wallowing. They don't have revelation because they're not meek, they're not humble. The Bible said the meek, he will guide in the way. The proud, he will resist every day of their life. The choice is our own. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for teaching us, helping us to see what we need to do to receive your word, to receive guidance, receive revelation in who Christ is, to be intimate with him so that we can grow in our knowledge of him and be strong in him. Help us, Lord, to understand these things and to do them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.